Hello, welcome to the Georgian Sports Report. I'm McLean Boxy, sports editor for the Georgian, Joseph Papp, editor in chief here at Georgian, and Ian Leonard. Who knows what he does? He doesn't even know what he does. It's their last show, it's their last week here working for the Georgian. So, yeah, let's go ahead. We got softball on the way, baseball, MVPs, Sun Belt Championship golf, and a little bit of NFL draft to round it out. First off, um, the Eagles softball team is back at home against an App State rival game. It's uh, senior day on Saturday. So Ian, you know, what's your uh, take with this with this App State game series? App State's pretty bad in the conference so far. Yeah, they have been playing great. Uh, as you mentioned earlier today, you know, we're kind of finishing our season against two of the weaker teams in the conference. So for me, these series are all about consistency. I think it's about, you know, showing what we can do well and making sure that we can do it consistently going into the tournament. Obviously, it's probably what's the only thing on everyone's mind right now, but um, they need to focus up, make sure they you know, stay focused against State and App State, not to you know, slouch, but they've been playing really great defense, so I think that right now, you know, their concern is trying to make sure their offense is up to par. You know, they limited uh, ULL to two, two runs in two of their games uh, last series, so I think that they're really showing they're playing great defense. It's just a matter of you know making sure they score. You know they got shut out. They're struggling to score against teams that have really prolific offenses, and I think that's really what it's all about. Especially when you're playing a team that's weaker like Georgia State and App State. I think what's been good for the for the softball team that you know you talked about Louisiana last week, the number 22 team in the nation, and stealing a game from them, but then having a full week off. You know yeah. the whole season they you know traveled to Jacksonville, traveled to Carolinas, you know traveled to SEC schools, but they had a whole week off from last Sunday um, to Saturday, so I think it's good to have rest and good to focus on these last two teams, Joseph. Yeah, and as you said, they had a big win against Luciana this past weekend. Uh, should be an easy series for the Eagles uh, this weekend with Upstate, but it's, again, it's a rivalry game. It's a rivalry series, so you never know with a rivalry. Um, Upstate can get really motivated and come down here and beat the Eagles, but Upstate has struggled this season. They're 16 and 30 overall. They're 3 and 15 in conference. Uh, I expect a, a good series, but uh, I, I feel like the Eagles will will be able to come through. And they have to get ready because the Sunbelt tournament is fast approaching, so they gotta uh, start winning some games in the conference. And I think another big motivator is that Senior Day on Saturday. Yeah. Um, a lot of seniors, led by you know Kira Camp, um, one of the ones that instantly comes to mind um, in the circle. But you know, we saw this football team where you know they hadn't won a game and then won 52-0 against South Alabama on Senior Day. We saw it with basketball where you know Jake Osmiller had what eight three pointers yeah. in, the, in the game against Troy. Um, so there's, there's the Senior Day motivation and Senior Day spectacle. I think could be a, a good thing for this softball team. Well, and, and Hannah Farrell needs to keep going with the hat batting because she's hitting uh, 326. So. She needs to keep going with that, and hopefully uh, they can win this series and keep it on track as they try yeah, to end the season on a high note. Farrell or Makai, I think, are kind of leading the team in offense right now, but I think that's kind of what we're talking about, just solidifying that and being consistent. As I think it would be great if some uh, other players on the team could really start to step up and kind of help with that um, load just because, you know, it's, it's great to have strong hitters like that, but, you know, really good offense, baseball, softball, excuse me, <laughs> Uh, softball is a team sport, uh, so obviously you know they can't do it all on their own. I think that this is a great time for them to really you know get into a rhythm and start you know getting those bats warm. Uh, so yeah, I think you know just like you guys both said, I think this is a, a series that the Eagles definitely should take with ease. Uh, and if they don't, that's not a great sign. Yeah, <laughs> uh, going into the postseason. Um, 
you talk about getting hot at the right moment, that's what the baseball team's been doing. Uh, you know, they've, they've won a bunch of games recently. Um, most, most recently, uh, they, their second win in a row against College Charleston, who's one of the best teams, um, you know, has done well all season. And their bullpen has come alive, their hitting has come alive, and everything is formulating together with three or four series left in the season. Yeah, and uh, their struggle away from home in this weekend series against Texas State is away from home. Uh, they're five and eleven away. Uh, and this three game series is going to be instrumental to keep that momentum going that you talked about. Uh, and they were pretty good this past uh, weekend, uh, and they were pretty good on Tuesday or Wednesday against Scottish or Charleston. Uh, they have to get going because the summer tournament starts May 22nd. Uh, their pitching still needs a little bit of improvement. They're, as a team, they're, they're pitching an ERA of 477, and their batting could use some a little bit of help because nobody's hitting over, everybody's hitting below 300. So uh, again, they have good players, so they just need to perform. In the, in the time of the offense, you know, they've scored four runs in the past four in the past. In three of the past four games, uh, a lot of those, you know, they, they scored six. They won six four two weeks ago against College Charleston. Won five to four this week. You know, they won seven to zero against UTA in game one of last week's series. So the offense, there's potential for it to be there. It's just it's sometimes it's there, and then when it's not there, they're they're only scoring well, two runs so, or getting shut out. And some players have performed really well, like David Johnson did against UTA, and Schumann and Cohen have been really good. Uh, pitching, but they just need they just need to be consistent. It cannot be just one player this game, one player this game. You need a whole team to be able to hit the ball and, and pitch well if you're gonna uh, have a run like you had last season. And you know, when you're talking about the pitching, well, the bullpen has been that's been the that's been the story all season yeah. is the lack thereof of a bullpen. And you know, if the offense isn't being able to create, you know, three or four run leads going into that, you know, six, seven inning, there's not going to, the bullpen will, you know, as, as we've seen all season, yeah. has not been able to keep up their end of the bargain, and you get into these games where the, the last three innings well, are five yeah. or six yeah, The good thing is that they, they still have a couple of series left uh, this season. I think they closed out against Georgia State uh, here in Statesboro, and they're fourth in the division right now, uh, one game behind Troy, that, who they play next after uh, playing Texas State. State and then they're tied for fourth in the conference as well. So they still have a chance to move up and have a good spot, a good seed in the tournament. And just kind of like uh, McLean mentioned earlier, like I think really important, kind of like the softball team, not to be broken record, but the, the baseball team is playing solid defense right now. The bullpen has been improving uh, since the beginning of the season, only allowing 10 runs over the last four games. I think now is the time that we really do need to solidify that offense because, like McLean said, we can't head into the postseason and not be able to capitalize when we play good defense. You know, if we're up, if we're holding them to no runs, we have to start scoring runs because you can't. Obviously, you can't win by not scoring anything. <laughs> you can't win you know, baseball games because you don't score. Despite what Trent Dilfer says, you have to. You, you can't lose and win. Yeah. Uh, but it's impossible. You, they really need to be able to capitalize and have kind of that killer instinct going into the Sun Belt tournament in the postseason, just because they're going to find that you're going to struggle against teams that are able to rally back like that. You know, it's great to play good defense. Um, and they have been over the last few games, but there are a lot of teams in this conference and there are a lot of teams just in general that have the ability to have you know really big swing innings. And that's why you want to be able to capitalize when you have those leads. So I think that uh, the baseball team is playing really well right now. I hope that they continue that at Texas State, but I, again, I think this is another, you know, another series that's about consistency. 
and making sure that we have a team effort and not just one person who's you know performing better than everyone else. It, it can't be like that series a few weeks ago against South Alabama where they were swept. They, they've got to get they've got to if they don't sweep Texas State, they need to win at least two games. Um, just to build that morale, and so when they come home, there's people in the stands because that's what makes home field advantage. Is you know w when you're going against Troy next weekend, it'll be graduation weekend, it'll be Cinco de Mayo. You need to have people you know on your side to make to give that atmosphere. And if they're getting swept out in Texas, what's the point of watching this team? So um, two of their last four series are at home. Um, you know we said next week against Troy, and then. Um, the week of, the weekend of May seventeenth against Georgia State, and they also got a midweek game against Charleston Southern. So I mean, th there's opportunities for them to continue to work that bullpen, work the rotation, and yeah. uh, also work the offense against both good and bad opponents. You know, we have another matchup against Kennesaw State in a few weeks, um, one of the best teams that is on our schedule this year, and they, they showed it back a few weeks ago. So um, the baseball team is they're getting good when they need to be, yeah, which is important. And yeah, they need to finish strong if they want to have a chance in the com in the conference tournament. Yes. Um, talking about conference tournament, was the conference tournament for the men's golf team this past week? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sunbelt Championship, where going in, Georgia, it was Georgia Southern and Coastal Carolina were the two favorites. Um, Southern has beaten Coastal in every turn that they've both been in, but when it mattered, Coastal got the best of the Georgia Southern Eagles and won in the championship match play. Um, Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, and the Eagles struggled a little bit throughout the whole week, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't just a very good tournament for the Eagles. Uh, they had a great season. Uh, Jake Story and Stephen Fakes have some of the best, are the best players of the season. Uh, the senior Story was able to secure the long win against Coastal Carolina. So, and Stephen Fakes is you can consider him a legend at Georgia Southern at this point. Yeah. He's so good and he keeps having breaking records and stuff like that. So he's, uh, it was disappointing to say the least because they, they didn't really have a good chance to win the Sun Bowl tournament and qualify to NCAAs, but they missed the opportunity. Yeah, you know, I watched this, it was on Facebook Live, the last round was, and I was sitting there watching it and um, how it works, you know, once once they clinch that, I think Fisk definitely stopped trying and, yeah. and the people behind, um, the the fourth guy, I forget who it was, but once once they had clinched, everyone just kind of gave up. And but you know, you said that Fisk, I think he had a great tournament. The, the, the last two days, he had a 65 on Tuesday, which clinched him into the match play. And they were the three seed going into that yeah. that match play and had to upset technically a uh, UTA. Well, and, and I know the team was really motivated because I think he was either the Stephen Fisk or the Jake Story story, and that he. One of them said that we're really good in paper, on paper, yeah. and we, we need, yeah, yeah. When I, when I sat down with yeah. Steven. and we need to, we are able to win that tournament. So, but sadly they couldn't do it. So you gotta close out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, postseason is always gonna be tough. It's it's just a different environment. Obviously, I think that, um, you know, we do have a really strong team. Obviously, nothing to be disappointed about for this season. But you know, it's just something that I think. Uh, not so much to put a chip on their shoulder, but you know, give make them hungry. You know, give them a reason to really perform next season. So it's disappointing, but I think we don't have any cause for concern with the team we have right now. And I, I think that we can expect another strong season. So and that's that's back to back um, championship losses for the Eagles. Last year they lost um, in the in the championship match play against Georgia State, and now this this time against Coastal Carolina, which like I said, they beat all season, which was disappointing, I'm sure, for a lot of these guys. But to your point, um, to both y'all's point, I mean, a lot of you guys are coming back. They're losing Archer Price. 
You're losing Jake Story. But the, the other three guys, you know, Fisk is coming back. Yeah. Uh, DeRozan's coming back. Brett Barron, Lucas. And the thing, the thing with losing a championship, you, you that you can, that can fuel you. You can ha use that motivation throughout the whole season and say, okay, I want to get back this, and I actually want to win it. So hopefully that happens with the Eagles this upcoming season. But we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Well, you'll have to wait and see. Yeah, they will be on. Um, and with that, you know, talking about the end of the year, um, glory, most valuable Eagles. You yes. do this every year. Um, here the Georgia Inn. Um, talking about the best athletes in each sport. Um, you know, last week on our, in our paper, we did the student athlete, you know, best overall male athlete, best overall female athlete, but this is per sport, the yeah. best MVPs. And so, <clears throat> going down the list, you know, men's soccer, the first sport of the season, uh, Javier Carbonell, yeah. um, junior, transfer. Yeah, he's, he's, he's really good. He's one of the best players the team has. Uh, he's for Madrid, he plays for Atletico Madrid. Uh, as a club team, the feeder team. Yeah. Not, yeah, not the not the professional team, but uh, his first season with the Eagles, as you, as my client said, um, he won Sunbelt Newcomer of the Year. He led the Sunbelt in assists with nine, and he even scored a game-winning goal against App State. So he's a junior, so he's gonna come back next season, and hopefully the Eagles can uh, go back to the tournament. This time, beat Georgia State and actually win. Also, Georgia State does have a really good team every year. So, I mean, he did great. Yeah. In his first year in some play, the team did really well. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just some games uh, the team struggled and they couldn't find scoring or and they couldn't defend that well. So it's it's you have to be consistent, especially in soccer, to build up that relationship and build up game after game after game. And especially when you know, like you said, Georgia State and Coastal Carolina are consistently being yeah. good and consistently. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough conference uh, in a lot of the sports, and soccer is one of them. Yeah, I mean, in, in Coastal, they, they beat Clemson, who was, you know, power 10, or top 10, they beat Wake Forest as well, yeah. so I mean, Coastal was really good, and then Georgia State, like you said, every year is really good, and also that, that tournament atmosphere at the end of the year where they're playing three or four games in two yeah. days, so um, that'll get you on. Women's soccer, we had Sarah Price, senior, she won it last year. Um, she didn't lead the team in scoring, but she had the game-winning goal in the quarterfinals against Troy. Um, she finished second on the team in goals with four and game-winning goals with three. Clutch player, senior, um, captain, just a player that really... Um, yeah, she, she's really good. Uh, she... Yes, she is very good. She's, she's good. She's, it's, it's, well, it's, yeah. It's obvious. Uh, she's good vocally, you know, leading this team. That was a young team this year. Um, didn't have the greatest of seasons, but you know, won that quarterfinal game against Troy. We watched it right here in the, yeah. in the, in the and then, and then she she also she also was all Sunbelt uh, tournament team. Yes. So she she did have a good performance in the tournament. Sadly, it didn't win the championship, but um, and she's leaving this 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 year. So, uh, but as I said, soccer is is really unpredictable at times. So you got to be able to have good players that can perform uh, at different times and different points of the game. Moving on to football, Monquavian Brinson, cornerback, sophomore, um, young guy. In, in, a, in a year where the defense was one of the biggest backbones, it was one of the biggest you know, breaking bones, rather, it was, it was, it was bad. The defense yeah. was bad in a lot of games, well, the whole especially, especially the secondary. But surprisingly, when I was looking up stats for this, Brinson actually led the Sun Belt in, in interceptions with five. Um, you know, leading conference, yeah. even though we had one of the worst. Yeah. It seemed like every week the, the secondary was 
falling, but you know, Brinson was. I, 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 bet, well. I bet it wasn't easy to pick up their players on this team because they all yeah. struggled. Yeah, <laughs> they did. Um, but he, you know, made second team All Sun Belt. Um, also finished with 12 pass breakups. Coming back again this year, going to be a leader on that. Um, you know, him and Josh Moon on both sides. And watching the spring game, he was. They were rarely. They threw a lot of passes in that game. Rarely threw it to his side of the field. I mean, he, he's a he's a watchdog. He, he's good. He's well, good. because they couldn't throw, but this. Yikes. <laughs> Moving on to volleyball. <laughs> Lauren Rice we talked about <laughs> last week um, with the yeah. she won student athlete of the year. Just fantastic. You know, first team all Sun Belt. First, that's that's one of the first female um, athletes to win on first team all Sun Belt since we joined the conference. And you know, led the league in hitting percentage with 3.42. Second in the conference in blocks. Um, she averaged you know two point five three kills um, a set for the year, which is phenomenal in, in volleyball. And again, with a team that's not didn't do that well, they they finished either next to last or last. I'm pretty sure this 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 season in the Sun Belt. But for her to still be able to year in year out just constantly get better to where she yeah. you know each year is pay, playing more vital role. Where than this year she all seen all, all first team first team all Sun Belt. Yeah, we're going to basketball. Yeah, we're going to basketball. Tukey Brown, of course. The NBA prospect, Tukey yeah, Brown. NBA <laughs> prospect. He won Student Athlete of the Year, and he won the Gusby Award for Student Athlete of the Year. He's good, I'd say. <laughs> for third time in a row, winning first team all Sun Belt. Ian watched this guy a lot. Yeah, I don't think anybody who's been watching Georgia Southern basketball for the past few years is surprised with this. I mean, Tukey Brown's been prolific on our team. Uh, he's obviously just – he has a lot of talent. He's averaging about 18, 19 points a game. Um, and he's just shown to have a really strong ability to, to close out at certain times. You know, I think that part part of his problem is that he doesn't always take over. But when he does, it's just a complete change of pace. You know, he really knows how to slow, slow the game down, speed it up when he needs to. He's a good passer. He has good vision. And he, he makes smart decisions on the court, I've always seen. Um, you know, he, this is a guy who has a cool head. And, he, you know, he makes – Good decisions in crunch time, you know, it doesn't always come out on top for us. But I think Tukey Tukey Brown's definitely been somebody who's been really per, like persevering here at Georgia Southern. Uh, you know, assuming he doesn't get drafted, he'll be back next year. Uh, and I think that, you know, it's just going to be all about him solidifying his his place as one of the best basketball players that ever played at Georgia Southern. Um, but yeah, he's he's been just great. Been fun watching the last three years. Yes. Uh, moving in, his sister's in the same thing this year. Alexis Brown, his sister, she's a sophomore, two years a junior. Um, she led the team in scoring with nine points per game, 3.7 rebounds a game. Um, in the same way of kind of orchestrating the team, especially on offense, um, different kinds of sides of the spectrum. You know, the men's team was towards the top, you know, finished in the final four of the conference, whereas the you know women's team did not. But um, Definitely orchestrated that offense, ran that offense to a T, and just in the first round game against some against um, Louisiana in the Sun Belt tournament, 17 points and went five. And that that, that, that was a really good game. Double, triple overtime. Yeah, that was a really good game. It was a fantastic game, and she she definitely was vital. Yeah, definitely. You know, she was a bright spot in a women's basketball season that didn't offer many of those. But uh, I think you know the fact that she's a sophomore, obviously, it's just great news knowing that she's going to be. She was already such a great leader, and you know, like you mentioned, as we've been talking about this whole podcast, I feel like you know, the playoffs are just a different environment. It's a different pressure, and it's it's a little harder, I think, 
and the fact that she was able to step up for our team in such a big way, despite the fact that uh, she's, you know, the, the team in general has kind of been struggling, I think really speaks to her character and shows, you know, what she's going to be able to do for, for our team going forward. So uh, even though we didn't have the best season, I think it is something to be excited about, just how well Alexis Brown's been playing, and I, I'm looking forward to what she has for us next season. Certainly, certainly. And uh, going into spring sports where, you know, basketball kind of went both and both, but spring sports, men's tennis, Eddie Landon, most obvious point uh, decision, I think, um, out of his you know, senior from Mexico. And you watched you watched a couple of tennis matches this year with it. I have been watching this guy for about yeah. four years now. He's been here uh, just about as long as Joseph and I have. And, you know, he's he's been uh, a guy whose name's been coming up over and over as we've been, you know, watching tennis over these past few years. He's just been a really versatile uh, player for our team. Doing He does really well in both doubles and singles, which, you know, most, most tennis players do. But Eddie really, I think, takes it to another level of competition uh, when he's playing doubles. And, that's something I've always appreciated from him, and we did write a feature on him uh, a couple of years back. You ever get a chance to read it? Just a really great story. Uh, a lot of perseverance. I think this guy's this guy's great. I'm so I'm so happy for the success he's had. But you know, he was just a really kind of the cornerstone for this uh, Eagles tennis team this last year, especially. Um, so, and he was able to get you know second team in both singles and doubles for the Sun Belt Conference, uh, much like in the women's side, R.M.D. Winter is sophomore. Two years younger than Landon, but also got some boat honors in both singles and doubles. Yeah, and uh, Ariana Winter, obviously fantastic. Uh, she was second in her team for singles wins, uh, which is incredible for a sophomore. It's such that you know, it's great to see, just knowing that that kind of player is going to be coming back next season. But uh, along with Landon, she's also very versatile. She plays with uh, plays with Paula Bouchardek. <coughs> Apologize if I mispronounced that. Uh, when they're playing doubles, you know, they have an 8-4 record. So that's really great to see, you know, knowing that they're both sophomores and that they're both going to be on this team for, uh, you know, the next few years is, is really encouraging. And I think that Ariana Winter is poised to become the leader for uh, for this Eagles going into her senior, her, even her junior year. Um, she's just really prolific, and I, I think that she's going to be a really great force for us. Yeah, Jimmy. The tennis team has always been good at Georgia Southern, especially in the single side. So we can expect more of that, hopefully next season. Moving on, staying with individual sports, staying with spring sports, men's golf. You know, we talked about it a bit. Stephen Fisk, um, you know, it was, it was him. It was him and Story's year. Fisk edged him out. Uh, you know, average 69 on the uh, average score of the season. Nice, and uh, you know, he's ranked nationally all year. <laughs> and so, you know, in October, set a school record by posting a <laughs> score of 60. We're, we're trying to be here uh, professionals here, so I'll, I'll take it away, okay, McLean, because Stephen Fitz has been really good this season, and, and honestly, if Tuki Brown would have had an amazing season, we probably would have chosen him as Melody of the Year, because he, as McLean said, he did have that record of 60, um, a score of 60 earlier this year, so yeah, I mean, he had, he had year. a fantastic year, you know, like you said, we talked about it a bit earlier with yeah. the golf team, you know, not living up to the expectations, I think, uh, after having such a fantastic yeah, year. Yeah, but this guy does. But he's ranked nationally in, in several different polls all season, has been, um, you know, yeah. for the different, you know, Heismans of college golf, there's like four or five different ones, and he's been ranked all year with, with the best of them, you know, across the nation, so it's, yeah. it's been fun to watch him these past three years, and when he comes around next year, I think he's got to be a favorite going into this offseason. 
Yeah. Just getting better. Definitely. No, I like the comparison to him and Tukey because, you know, just like Tukey, he's solidifying himself as, you know, probably the best to ever play a sport here at Georgia Southern. So, yeah. you know, both of them just really, really just huge names. They're just guys that keep coming up over and over, not only here, but ESPN nationally consistently. So, uh, yeah, a lot to be proud of over there. Yeah. And on the women's side, Ella Ofstedal, sophomore from England, led the team with yeah. 60, 76 season average, had five top 10 finishes. Um, yeah, and she and she's just a sophomore, so she she has two more years yeah. here, and she can continue to improve. Uh, and yeah, although golf is technically an individual sport, it's also a team sport. So you got to be able to support your teammates. Uh, and yeah, she she finished fourth out of uh, 90 golfers in a tournament, so an invitational. So she she can continue to improve and hit the links a couple more times this next season. Yeah, hit the links, Ella. Yeah. Moving on to softball, um, Hannah Farrell, obvious choice um, and as a junior. She leads the team with a 326 batting average, eight home runs, which at one time was conference leading. Now she's 34th in the conference. Um, she has 18 RBIs, three goals, and team high 60, 46 hits. That'd be crazy. 46 hits, just <laughs> dominating this, yeah. this team in, in a year where you know, he started off strong, she started off very strong. And even when the team's kind of cool off, she's continued to keep on the gas and, and put the Eagles in position in, in positions to win. Yeah, when we talked about softball earlier in the in the uh, live show, uh, we mentioned that uh, she's really good and she's one of the best players that the team has. Uh, hopefully, she can keep that bat swinging and hitting some more home runs and hitting more hits. Well, yeah, right now she's the best batter at Georgia Southern. Period across <laughs> softball and baseball. <laughs> uh, so I don't think there's, I mean, any, that's true. there's any debate there. I mean, obviously she's been fantastic. Like said I think that's one of the like biggest notes for her is the fact that despite you know the team going on that skid mid-season and having you know struggles in and out like she's always just consistently be there on stat sheet um, I think that's the biggest trait that she brings to this team is her consistency and her ability to you know come up big for for the Eagles when they need, uh, need her to you know she she can't do it all on her own but you know she's making a darn good case for it um, and then closing it out with sports, baseball, Mason McCorder, just a sophomore, he won it last year. Um, he's leading the team with six home runs, 28 RBIs, third on the team in batting average with 259. Um, it seems like every time he hits the ball, it's either a home run, a double, or a strikeout, you know, every time he gets it to the plate. So um, he just had a great, it's been fun to watch this, um, you know, Mason, we went to high school together, but he, uh, it's been fun to watch him this year, and a year, you know, with the, with the hitting that he's had, and the success that he's had, to, brought to this, you know, a very young team, he's young, the team's young, and, but he's still the leader as, as a sophomore. I didn't know going to high school with you was such a big deal, but I guess it is, uh, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to say he's big hit, either he always gets a hit or he always gets a home run. Uh, maybe he can improve a little bit of the strikeouts, but yeah, he's been in, he's only a sophomore again. As we have talked, a lot of these players are young, and they still have a couple more years left here at Georgia Southern. So hopefully, they can continue to improve. All right, so that's pretty much it from Georgia Southern this week. Um, unless maybe LA Rams be or Miles Campbell gets drafted this week. Okay, weekend. that's a, that's a, that's not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. All right. Well, the draft started officially last night, Thursday night. And no huge upsets or you know some shockers rather, but um, Baker Mayfield did go number one to the Browns. So uh, what, what, what are y'all's thoughts? Bad, about that? That's a bad pick. 
because the Cleveland Browns had their number one pick and the number four pick. They could have drafted Barkley with the number one pick and got a good running back, a franchise running back. And instead, they drafted Baker. And, and yeah, they get, they left uh, Barkley for the Giants pick. Yeah, I think the Browns pick really set the tone for this first round. Because the four QBs went in the first round. First, this, for four went in the first, first ten, ten picks. Ten. First ten in the first round, yeah. Uh, ten picks this year, which is just, I think, insane. But, uh, yeah, like I said when we were talking about this last week, you know, the Browns, their story has always been, we just got to get one more piece, you know, even though their whole organization is really burning to the ground. Yeah. So, uh, Baker Mayfield's a fantastic player. I don't know if that's where you need to – to start necessarily, but you know they probably probably know more about it than I do. Maybe still, that's just weak. I, I, I do, I do agree like Joseph. I think the running back is a is a, is a stronger piece to have um, in a team. So I, I I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but I don't okay. really be, care. On, on, honestly, if they wouldn't have drafted that quarterback, they they did have uh, Tyrod Taylor. Although Tyrod Taylor is not the best quarterback, but he can still throw the football. He's experienced. He's experienced. He's, he's been in the NFL. He he's been in the NFL. NFL. Yeah. He's won games in the NFL too. What has Baker Mayfield done in the NFL? Nothing. Nothing. But nothing. But Baker Mayfield's never lost an NFL game. Oh, I just I think, and this you know ties into my other point. Uh, the reason why Josh Rosen is not going to be starting in Arizona, uh, being a QB in the NFL is is very difficult. Obviously, it takes a long time to become accustomed to it. Not everyone takes to it immediately. Um, I think the fact that the Texans started. <laughs> Tom, Tom Savage over Deshaun Watson last year just goes to show how um, you know un, not very confident Stupid most teams Texans are. are. Most teams in general are in rookie quarterbacks. You know, it's a, it's a lot of responsibility to take on. You're playing with professionals now, with people who've been in the league for you know five, six, seven years, and you can't. What? It's not easy for everyone to just come in and just take to that. I think it, it does speak a lot to have experience. I think it's important for young quarterbacks to kind of learn under someone who's had a little more playing time. You know, that's a story that we've seen with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and all, all these other quarterbacks that have been, been fantastic. So I, I think that Josh Rosen's really great. Uh, he's not going to start in Arizona. This conversation right, we had, had earlier. But, you know, I, right. I I personally just have to wonder, you know, the the real, you know, point of the drafting quarterback is high, uh, especially for especially for the Browns and also all these other teams. I mean, he's going to be getting his, his – Rookie contract is thirty-three million dollars. Well, and, to and, a twenty-one-year-old. And you know, when you look at the mock drafts, well, they don't know anything really because uh, at the end of the day, it's what happens on Thursday night uh, every year, and you always get the surprises. But Baker Mayfield was not expected to be number one until a couple of days ago, when people started reporting that the Browns were considering to take him number one. Uh, everybody talk about Sam Darnold. Everybody talk about Josh Allen. Uh, uh, and stuff like that, and Josh Rosen. Uh, going back to Ian's point, I do think that Josh uh, Allen was the steal of the draft, and yeah, yeah he's really, really, really good. Well, you're a Miami fan. You know, they had 11th pick, Minka Fitzpatrick, safety of Alabama, beast against Clemson in the Super Bowl this year. You see, the pro the problem I have with that pick is like he came from Alabama, and I hate I hate Nick Saban. For what he did to the Dolphins, son right there, and and then the nickname they put him is like Nick Saban's son. I don't know what that means. I don't know uh, how is that connection going, or I don't Maybe get it. Do some research on but it. But honestly, honestly, <laughs> uh, 
the Dolphins, the, Dolph- the Dolphins need a linebacker. They either need a safety. They need a linebacker. That linebacker core got torn apart, and especially when you play in the same division as Gronk, you need a good linebacker to cover the tight ends, and they just didn't. Hopefully, they do have the 10th pick uh, today uh, in the second round, so hopefully they can get a good linebacker there because the defense needs a lot of improvement. Uh, I don't, I don't see the Dolphins making the playoffs this year, but uh, hopefully they can get good players and they can develop them. I, mean, I think Fitzpatrick was the best and safest, um, you know, secondary player. Uh, I think Bradley Chubb was the best defensive player, but secondary player Fitzpatrick, like I said, you know, had incredible success all three years at Alabama um, on the biggest stage in the national championship, the SEC championship, and the biggest stage of Alabama football, and did well. And well, uh, what, what, watching the draft because. Uh, Arizona traded to the 10th pick and to pick up Josh Rosen, and it was uh, Oakland that had that pick. So uh, uh, Oakland had their hash, their record. So I thought, okay, the Dolphins might be able to get Josh Rosen, and then uh, the Cardinals were able to scoop up. So uh, it's not a, dis- a really bad pick, but at the same time, we need a linebacker and we need a safety. But speaking of super safe picks, obviously the Giants going with Barkley. Um, McLean took an L on this earlier this week. He, he was that they weren't going to draft him. Um, but anyway, no. Anyway, uh, I wasn't. Uh, at first, I, I, I want I want to bet. He was, he lost one, of our, one of our associates, uh, uh, Brendan Ward. Um, yeah, I'm friends, is, but he, he called you out. He is a Giants fan, and him and I had a bet that he, Brendan thought that, the, where it was convinced that the Giants were going to take a quarterback in the first round. I said they were not going to. I said, you know, Bradley Chubb. I said, Saquon Barkley, I said, anyone other than a quarterback, he's buying me lunch on Monday because I obviously won the bet, so continue on. No, I remember, but anyway, uh, obviously <laughs> that was a great pick for them. Just looking at that lineup for them on the offense, having Sterling and Beckham and Manning and Barkley, that's, that's a... And that's Brian. Yeah, well, we'll see about that. But that's a scary that's a scary offense to go up against, I think. So, you know, uh, really safe pick, but, you know, I think that's... Kind of, kind of the point well, of the draft and, most of the time. And the Falcons did a good pick with picking Calvin Ridley oh from, from Alabama. They needed a wide receiver to go on the other side of Julio Jones, and what better to get another Alabama player? And the Falcons uh, need to improve from offense if they want to get back to the Super Bowl and hopefully uh, not lose this time. Not, not lose this time. Yeah. I'm a Carolina Panthers fan, division rival with the Falcons, and, and we're sitting scared. there at the 24th scared. pick. No, you're scared. Know. You're scared. We're sitting there at the 24th pick. And I look at my phone, and it gets me a notification that says DJ Moore of Maryland, wide receiver, has been drafted. I'm like, oh, I guess Ridley was taken earlier, right? No. Ridley was taken two picks later, and he was still on the board. But we got this guy, Moore, playing out of the Big Ten. Of he's going to be a Hall of Famer, and then you're going to see this video and say, I know Steve Smith, you know, probably one of the top 10 Panthers of all time, said that nobody on the Panthers has done as good as Steve Smith has until this guy, that's DJ Moore. And I hope he's right. I hope he's right because we have no, you know, we can't just rely on Greg Olson who, you know, has injury after injury every week. But old. Yeah. Well, he just signed a two-year contract today. But, you know, I, I, I have, I, I want to have faith in you, DJ Moore, if you're listening. But I would have rather had Ridley. And to know, to know that not, it's not just another team got Ridley. It's at the Falcons, which we see every day on my Twitter. It's all Falcons. All it's like Falcons hit me more from one side. Bama fans hit me from the other side, and it just sucks. I just, I mean, yeah, it's not the the fun name, it's not the big name, it's not the one you want, but like, it, it's, what 
college you go to doesn't have that much bearing on how good you are. Usually, it depends on how, how good you are. You know, yeah. Ben Roethlisberger didn't come from a huge school. He came from Miami, Ohio. But he was he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Well, not currently, but yeah. he was. Uh, Super Bowl winning champion. He's dying yeah. right now. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, yeah, I'm sure it doesn't feel great because seeing how good Calvin Ridley was, you know, he, played, oh, oh. he plays great. But if they believe DJ Moore uh, has been playing better base, uh, football, they're gonna. They're you see, we we keep talk, we keep talking about all these players, but the most important player in the draft yesterday was Lamar Jackson. And I'm going to tell you why. Because <laughs> Joe Flacco is in his last year of his contract. And once, <laughs> once that happens, once he's gone, Lamar Jackson is going to take this team to the Super Bowl. And he's going to win a Super Bowl just like he guaranteed yesterday. Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback in college football. And now he's, the be- he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Like that last season. Yeah, I mean, is he going to – my dad went to the Super Bowl in 99. Is he going to go with them? Like, no. Well, they get free tickets. Yeah, yeah, probably yeah. for tickets. Okay, cool. So I guess they're going that way he's or got, something. He's going to win the Super Bowl. He's going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, and then you're all going to say Joseph Rushmore. All right, well, that's our show for this week. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter at the Georgian or at Sport, And, you know, look at our articles, share and what you like and stuff. And, um, yeah, so this yeah. has been – Claim back to Joseph Papp and Ian Leonard with their last time on the show. They're graduating next Saturday along with several other Georgian members. Um, but yeah, it's been fun. This past month or so with them, it's been fun all semester with these two guys um, talking sports and just them two having bad takes. And um, yeah, so thanks for watching. <laughs>